Welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. At Keystone, we believe exceptional organizations don't just happen. They are built by focused leaders that recognize their authentic leadership superpowers. Join us for a serious dose of inspiration. With the launch of my second book, The Culture Climb, we are making available to you three free amazing tools that will help you get started in creating a better culture for your team. Go to www.thecultureclimb.com and download your free copies today. Hey everyone, welcome to the Superpower Success Podcast. We are so glad that you joined us today. I'm Jamie Tates. And like every week and every episode, you're going to love today's conversation. And our focus is going to be to ignite some thought, some action, and maybe a little bit of, uh-oh, there's work I need to do. Because as leaders, right, we all have work that we need to do, and we all need to be growing and thinking different about our own judgments, our own beliefs, you know, our own approaches and what's maybe worked in the past that doesn't work anymore. So I have the perfect person here for you today. Um, Eric Harkins, who's the president and founder of GKG Search and Outplacement. He's also an author. He's going to talk all about the book. He's a speaker um, and he's a swearer. So I don't think that's in your LinkedIn bio, um, but I do love a good swear word um, strategically right. placed um, to, for impact. And so I also just want to share that um, part of his book and what he's going to talk about. There might be a word or two in here. So if you got littles um, that are in the car with you or it's not that bad, but I no. do love to let people know that there might be one that slips out here or there because we sometimes we just we just need it for context. Yeah. So I'll give you the I'll give you the PG-13 version. <laughs> I, I won't go full tilt today. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want to say that's why I'm so excited that you're here because you're that kind of person for me. Um, yeah. Eric can stop by and we can pretty much talk like no holds barred about any single topic without any judgment of each other or what comes out of our mouths. So um, this right. is a good one, people. So buckle it's up. It'll be fun. Absolutely. <laughs> no, it's, hey, it's great to uh, great to sit down with you again. And, you know, we had the opportunity to have coffee not too long ago. And yeah, I mean, we could have talked for three hours. So right. I know it's going to be a fun conversation yeah. and uh, look forward to look forward to jumping in. When Eric comes by, I usually, he usually leaves and I go, we should figure out how to take this thing on the road. Like yeah. <laughs> the Eric and Jamie show. And we just like lay it straight to people nonstop for like yeah. an hour. Well, and I think, you know, a big theme in, in your book and my book and your new book, which I'm super excited about. I'm going to give you a little plug right out of the Thank gate. Culture Climb. Fun. I was lucky enough to be on the advanced copy list. And, you know, it's about being genuine and authentic. And let's not take this thing called work and leadership so serious because, there's plenty of other things to worry about than uh, sure. uh, some of the stuff we spend our time on. So absolutely going to have fun. And uh, yeah, if you have little kids, I'll, maybe I'll preface every time I'm going to use bad word, but we'll figure it out. We'll you guys will fun. understand. It really is a very well-placed um, swear word and it's That's part right. of the book. So where I want you to start so people kind of understand why you're here, yeah. how you've gotten to this point in your success, right? What's what? Give us the Cliff Notes version of what that journey has been like for you. Yeah. Uh, what a... <laughs> what an awesome last few years since starting my, you know, consulting firm, you know, taught me of just enjoy the ride. I was never very good at that during my career. You never know where it's going to take you, but you know, my background, like a lot of people right out of college started working for big companies. Uh, mine happened to be target corporation. I spent a lot of my career in retail 
you know, um, all the big box retailers that you can think of 25 year journey and kind of went from a manager in training up to my most recent role was for a, a very large agent for Verizon, um, a company that ran wireless stores. And I was the chief HR and chief administrative officer. And I kind of joke about it in the book that, you know, I was lucky to have worked for some good leaders. Uh, but I was even luckier to work for some really bad ones. And uh, my book is, you know, great leaders make sure Monday morning doesn't suck. And it's really a listen. You you can Isn't have this that place. what we all just want in the end? Yeah. We're I mean, not asking for much. We're not, I don't think we are. And I guess, I guess it's good for the book. But I, I had this woman come up to me after I spoke about a month ago. And she said, you know what I really like about the title of your book? And I said, what? She said, you could have written it 30 years ago. And you're going to be able to write it in another 30. And, you know, I guess that's good for book uh, sales, but it's sort of like, oh, that's my challenge. What do we need to do to stop talking about Monday morning being such a pit in the stomach moment for most people? And as you know, and you and I've talked about this and you talk about it in your books and your coaching, you can have a place that people want to be a part of. You can have a place where Monday morning doesn't suck. It's actually not that hard. You just have to be willing to make some hard decisions. And that's where companies fall short. Right. They allow underperformers to show up. They allow bad leaders to lead people. And then they wonder why nobody likes working there. So right. I know so that's the elevator pitch. I love it. I love it. And we'll talk about you know, GKG and how that has evolved too, yeah. I think is really related to your superpowers and some of those questions, but the work you're doing just so aligns to the book is how do we support people? How do we help yeah. them find good, good companies, right? right. Great companies yep. to work right. for. Yeah. Um, so over the course of your career, working for yeah. you know, a variety of, of sizes of companies, and yeah. is there a leadership moment that sticks out to you? Like that moment where you're like, this is where I, I, I realized I want to be a different leader. I want to learn good or bad, right? From that person. Yeah. yeah you know, I, I guess I was lucky, although at the time it didn't feel like I was lucky, but my very first boss right out of college. So I, you know, fin- you know, did my training and working for Target Corporation and, you know, I'm excited. And, and I don't want to give away the end of the book, but that's okay. I'll give it away because at the end of me doing this, you know, really intense kind of three month training, he sat me down in his office and he said, and this is, uh, you know, swear word number one coming up here alert, but uh, he sat me down and he said, Hey, Eric, I know you think I'm an asshole. And I know everybody in the store thinks I'm an asshole. And you know why? It's because I am an asshole. He said, and I'm going to tell you one thing about your career. You'll never be able to be successful if you try to be a leader that people want to work for. You have to be a <clears throat> asshole or people will never show up for you. And I mean, at 22, I sat there and I thought, that can't be right. Like, But you don't know I, that I, yet. But, but you like, don't know. I mean, I'm like, well, okay, I guess. And I just, in that moment, and, and we'll get to it. I mean, now it, it certainly helps understand sort of these three rules that I talk about that are really a foundation of everything I do and everything I learned throughout my career. But I was lucky that he kind of set this standard for me right out of the gate of, you know what, I think I'm going to try to do it different. And I know we'll talk about it, but I think what you and I are so aligned on is you can have tough conversations. You can have performance management coaching. You can fire people and you can do it in a way where people don't walk away and say, wow, you know, I hope I never have to talk to that person again. And that's what I try to help leaders with is, you know, being somebody that high performers want to work with and for doesn't mean you can't hold people accountable and, and make changes. In fact, 
the best leaders you and I've ever worked with are the best at getting rid of the people who don't belong to be there or don't allow, you know, aren't able to be there because they're not getting the job done. Right. We have an exercise in our, one of our leadership trainings, we call it the invite um, challenge matrix, right? So it's a matrix of, of, if we all think of the best coach, mentor, boss we've ever had, the reason they're the best and they show up, you know, they pop into our head is because they invited us, meaning they gave us their time and their wisdom and they challenged us to be more than we thought we could be. And so that challenge is where I think a lot of leaders feel bad challenging people, but as humans, that's actually what we want. As long as it's done from a place of, I'm not going to leave you hanging, not knowing a skill, I'm going to make sure you also have that invite piece, right? You've got the the resources you need to be successful. Well, and the flip side to my story of that leader that sort of put it out there, well, that's not how I want to be is, you know, when you find that first person in your career who sees more in you than you see in yourself, right? And I can remember, and he became my mentor for years, you know, a boss of mine, and I sent him this proposal that he asked for, and he didn't respond. And I said, you know, it was a few days later, and I called him, I said, well, geez, I guess he didn't like, uh, he didn't like what I had to say. And he said, yeah, it was one of the dumbest things anyone's ever sent me. And he was pretty harsh. And he kind of hit me between the eyes. You know what? That is not at all, blah, blah, blah. But at the end, he said, and I know that you're better than this and you're capable of more. And that's why I didn't respond. And for me, anyway, not everyone responds like I'd rather have hit me between the eyes if I know it's coming from a place of I want to help you get better. And when you find those people, like I said, that become your mentors, you know, early in your career. Um, you don't realize how powerful that is until much later. And then you try to become that mentor to others throughout your career. And, you know, you take the good, you leave the bad and and you try to build a, a better way of doing things. Well, and there, you know, there's a million cultural and, you know, words right now that you would use for that, but that's a, essentially a psychologically safe environment where you can yeah. just be you and know there's going to be things you don't know when you do wrong, but it's a safe right. place where, right. Where that person's going to respect yeah. you to say you're better than this. Right. Right. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. So if, how would you, so talk to me about how you define leadership. And yeah. then I also want to know how you would describe the leader you are today in your organization. Like, like, how would you describe that? Yeah. So in, in the book, I have a tool called lead and lead stands for leadership expectations and development. And it's eight questions that throughout the course of my kind of 25 year journey in corporate America, I, I, I didn't do it, you know, deliberately along the line as I sat back and kind of reflected when I was writing the book, I said, what are the things that great leaders did? And it's interesting. And I joke about it when I do a keynote or if I'm on stage, I say, you know, nobody's ever read the book and called me and said, wow, Eric, how'd you come up with lead? Like, it's really revolutionary. It's like, no, it's actually really common sense stuff. And, you know, I won't read all eight, but it's things like, do the leaders in your organization build relationships at all levels of the organization? Do they support the direction of the company with no hidden agendas? Do they bring energy and enthusiasm to work every day? I've never understood people who are in leadership positions that walk around like their dog died every day. It's like, well, who wants to work for that person? And it's not about being this cheerleader and and having, you know, fake energy, but it's about being genuinely excited about what the company you're working for is doing, right? And so, you know, I, the way I describe to a lot of people when I get asked that question is, I hope if you asked people that worked with me or for me throughout my career, hey, you know, was Eric a good boss? 
I hope the high performers would say, you know what? I thought Eric was a good boss. I liked Eric. I'd work for him again, something like that. And if you asked people who weren't high performers or if they were really poor performers, hey, did you like working for Eric? They'd say, you know what? I didn't like him that much. And I don't think that's arrogance. I think that's uh -huh. leadership. And I think great leaders are really genuine. They're really authentic. They stop and say hi to the receptionist on their way into the office because they know that role is just as important as the CEO. And it's not fake. It's not manufactured. They just are genuinely curious and want to get to know people. But they're ruthless when it comes to underperformers. And they're ruthless when it comes to recognizing their high performers. And, you know, I do a Monday post every day or every week on LinkedIn. And my post this morning was, mm -hmm. you know, tell your high performers they're high performers before they give you your, their notice. I literally read it and I was like, <laughs> like yes. and, it, and, and you've seen it too. And I know we've even talked about this. Mm -hmm. You know, the worst thing that happens to high performers in every company is they find out how valued they are about 10 seconds after they give their notice. 100%. And they leave and you're, you're 20 people who are, you know, on the lower quadrant of your talent review that should have been gone six months ago are still there. And you're wondering, well, what, what happened? So I think, you know, I don't know if that was an answer to your question, but I think we make this a lot harder than it needs to be. Leadership is not that hard. Right. If you are a genuine and authentic, hey, I'm not the smartest person in the room. That's why you're here. Let's figure this out together. And right. people respond to that. We, the right people respond to that. Even in the book around culture and in our model, the reason we developed it the way they did is exactly what you're talking about is because even companies that develop or that really invest in, in development of their people, right? They're high performers. They're sending them to yeah. trainings and that, you know, I worked at a company that was amazing about that. Yeah. But we talk about if you're doing that, but you're not dealing with the trust issues, right? And you have some bad leaders, right. but you're not dealing with accountability. And because I'm a high performer, more stuff just gets put on my plate and we let other right. people just, I'm not going to stay because you're investing right. in me. So right. it can't just be a one dimensional thing when it comes to yeah. culture. Right. right. Got to look at all of this. Yeah. Um, and I think that's so important. And the other thing that I, so I want to ask you another question on this because it's what we hear a lot in, you know, the genuine curiosity, the coming in with high energy or, you know, just like knowing what your energy is. We're yeah. realizing there's a lot of leaders, number one, who don't know how to manage their own energy well, especially right now, right? Where there's a lot of burnout happening. So I want to get your yeah. advice on that. And number two, actually aren't self aware of what we call positive intelligence. It's based on that, right? Like wh what is the energy, the aura that you bring into a room before that you even come in physically, right? Yeah. What is that energy. So what guidance would you give leaders, right? On who yeah. are feeling that way going, yeah, I'd love to come in and be happy every day, but it sucks some days. Yeah. Well, so I have a couple of thoughts on that. I I had a guest on my podcast a couple months ago, um, Howie Milstein, who's local to Minneapolis. If you don't know how you should uh, you should reach out to him. Great guy. And he said, you know, energy is contagious. Well, you've heard that a million times. But what his point was, both positive and negative. Yes. And when you hear energy is contagious, the default is what you're talking about, oh, this positive, upbeat person. Yes. And, you know, the best description I ever heard or definition of sort of work-life balance managing the burnout and this goes back over 20 years. And I was very early in my career and a senior leader at Target was doing this presentation. And he said, 
My definition of work-life balance is being where you want to be at the time and letting, your, and letting yourself off the hook for it. So his point was, hey, if your kid has a soccer game at three, four, or at four o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday and you want to be there, then you should go. But if you're a senior leader and you have a board meeting at 7 a.m. in the morning and you're not ready for it, then you should probably be preparing for that and being comfortable with both of those. And, right. you know, I think it is it is a challenge. And, you know, as even in our careers, we've seen the evolution of technology where you're never really off <laughs> as a leader anymore. Uh, whether you're a leader or not as an employee, I mean, you have a phone, <laughs> there's Zoom, there's all these things that we didn't even leverage 25 years ago that make you have to be available. So managing that burnout. And, you know, I've tried really hard in my career to let myself off the hook if I did miss a kid's event, right? because I had to, but I tried to make as many as I missed because I wanted to, and it's not easy. Um, but I think people, and, and this is a broader conversation that would be, you know, a, a three-day podcast around <laughs> You know, the leadership in that organization, like you said, allowing you to go to a soccer game at four, four o'clock and not feel like and not feel like you were maybe going to get counseled for that or fired for that or no guilt. Exactly. And I think it's also interesting because I spent a lot of years in corporate carrying guilt myself. And then I started to realize, was it really them putting it on me or was it me putting it on me? And also that self-awareness as a leader that we're modeling it. So when we don't go to the soccer game, we're telling our entire team not to do that, those types of things either. Exactly. And, you know, that along those lines, I, I, this whole support the direction of the company with no hidden agendas. I talk about the fact, listen, it's okay if you're a leader and you don't like the direction of the company. It is. It's okay if you're a leader and you think your CEO is an idiot. It's okay if you're a leader and you think the direction of your company makes no sense. It's just not okay to stay. You can't be a leader and continue to show up and think that there's going to be any genuine, authentic energy for your teams because people are smart. We talk about, you know, people underestimate how smart kids are and what they see at young ages that they carry with well, it's the same with your team, right? And and if you're faking it and you're trying really too hard to really act like you like being there, I think the the high performers can see that. So, well, and I have somebody right personal to me that's going through this right now, right? From a culture standpoint, of just like yeah. knows they don't want to be there, knows it isn't the right place for them to show up as their yeah. best selves. But it's yeah. a really scary thing, right? For people to walk out and just say, "I can't, I can't do this anymore. Like this isn't it fun, is. and I'm not being my best self." Yeah. And the career transition and, you know, not to do a shameless plug for GKG outplacement, but that's what we do. And, you know, in the book, I have a whole chapter where I talk about, listen, losing your job or leaving your job for whatever reason as an adult is the most wonderfully terrible experience that everyone should go through at least once in their life. And I'm lucky enough to have gone through it more than once and not to make light of it, but the number one thing I hear from people. And if I've talked to 500 people in the last 10 years who have been in transition out of, you know, career transition. The number one thing they say is, Eric, I just want to look forward to going to work again. I haven't been happy for 10 years. I had a CFO tell me, and you know, you can't, you can't help but kind of laugh. He said, Eric, I've spent 25 years in finance. I don't even like it. What do I, you know, what do I do? So the whole point is, you know what, give yourself, (laughs) 
what you deserve, which is to be happy. And that, I'm not suggesting it's easy. Looking for a new job has some nuances that can make it this wonderfully terrible, emotionally draining experience. But you also get to decide, I'm going to find an environment that I'm going to be happier with and, and a leader that I respect more than maybe the one I had before. And, mm-hmm. and you are in the driver's seat and that can be really empowering. And that's a gift that doesn't feel like a gift in the moment, but you're right. It's not easy. So, right. so for let's dive into this just a little bit more, because I think there's, yeah. well, right now we're experiencing it, right? There's a lot of people who are in transition or who might even be thinking about putting themselves into transition, right? right. Their own choice. Right. Um, what, how do you manage your own energy right through that process too? I mean, you've talked a little bit yeah. about it. I think there's got to be some hope right in there, yeah. but like, what's your guidance as an expert in this, right? I'll place yeah. it in search. Like right. what, you, what is the guidance in the, that you tell people when they're in this transition yeah. period, whatever that looks like. Right. Well, there's a difference between false hope and positivity. And, you know, it, the, the work that we do in outplacement isn't about giving false hope. Hey, it's going to be fine. You're not going to have any problem. You'll have a job in two weeks. No, probably not. And you're going to have these ups and downs, but I also have told every client I've ever worked with, I have never had a client that didn't find another job. Some take longer than others, Mm -hmm. but the guy I worked with a year ago is working somewhere. The woman that I met six months ago is working somewhere. I don't have clients that I'm working with for three years at a time. And I think part of that is because this world that we live in, (laughs) in the last 10 or 15 years, there's been some positives that have come out of all of this reduction in force and acquisition and layoffs and COVID related. (laughs) And that is that everyone, everyone knows someone who's either been in transition or they've been in transition. And because of that, they've become much more giving and gracious with their time and willing to make an introduction, willing to meet you for coffee. And on the individual side, what I try to help the clients understand is shift your thinking of why you're having this coffee meeting. If you're going to coffee because I need them to do something for me, that's fine. But if you go to coffee to say, I wonder if there's anything I can do for them. And I just want to get to know this person. And it becomes this, wow, it isn't that hard to find common ground with someone. If you sit down and tell me your story, I'll tell you mine. Oh, wow. You started your career at Target. So did I. Now, all of a sudden, you have plenty to talk about. And I think that helps with some of the people. You know, I met with a woman a couple months ago who had lost her job six weeks earlier. And she had not told anyone because she was embarrassed. And I said, I get it. It's a, there's nothing more humbling as an adult than losing your job. And we all need to be humbled, some of us more than others, but, but it's a good exercise to go through. But I said, people want to help. They just need to know you need it, right? And as soon as she started telling her network, what do you know, things accelerated. And I think it was actually three months and she found her next role because people in her network came together and said, let's, let's get your resume sent out. 
So that's part of it. Um, there's a great book by another local author, uh, The Little Book of Networking by Kurt Schmidt. For anyone who's in transition, it's a very quick and easy read. And his philosophy is, is very similar and the same of just shift your thinking as you go into these into these meetings. So, you know, that's part of what I try to help people with. Um, there's so many layers that come into it, you know, spousal support or friend support or lack of and just all these dynamics that can make the the fear. But when I sit there and say, hey, I've never met anyone that didn't find their next job. It's like, you know what? It's going to be okay. And for me, every time I was in transition, my next job was much better than what I left. 100%. And that's a good reminder for people too. And it usually almost always is. It, and it helps reset you. And it's sometimes a forced reset because it happens yeah. to you, right? But it makes you right. reevaluate a lot. And what I love about what you're saying is you have to go into this. And I think this applies even beyond people in transition. This just applies yeah. to dealing with life. Is yeah. it about the mindset? Are you yeah. are you living in curiosity or are you living in fear? Yeah. Yep. It's a very different feeling every day getting out of yeah. bed. Yep, absolutely. And you know, both of your books talk about that so well of, you know what, you you do. I mean, it's the old we all, you know, can choose our attitude on any given day, right. but it's more than just choosing the attitude, it's how you're actually going to live it and, and see it through on any given day or week or month. So I think you do a great job talking about that too. Well, thank you for that. Um, so I want to dive into your books, into the, the, the rules here, just to yeah. talk through, because <laughs> I think these are good. It's simple again, like you yeah. said, right. These aren't right. like rocket science, nor is anything I've written. It's just, but it's simple and they're easy right. reminders every day as leaders yeah. to say like, how do I want to show up? So let's talk about those, th- those three. Yeah. Yeah. So in the book, I talk about these three lessons that I learned along the way. And then I tell the story of how they became rules. Mm -hmm. And once they became rules, because somebody called them a rule instead of a lesson, they just became way more impactful. I was like, oh yeah, rule is way better. So lesson number one or rule number one, it's okay to have fun at work. Contrary to popular belief in some companies, it really is. It's okay to actually have fun with the people you work with. Lesson number two, Rule number two, poor performing employees don't quit voluntarily. We all wish they did, but they don't. And I always ask people to take a second and think about the last time your worst performing employee called you and quit versus the last time somebody you didn't want to lose did the same thing. But lesson number three or rule number three, if if your listeners take nothing away from this conversation except this one thing, (laughs) rule number three, assholes are assholes, they don't change. And I love it because people always ask me, well, what's your definition of an asshole? And I always tell them, you know, I don't really know what the definition is, but I know who they are in every company I've ever worked in. And when I do a keynote, if there's, you know, let's say 100 people in the audience, I can see it in their eyes. And I'll always say, as soon as you saw that word, somebody popped into your mind and whoever (laughs) popped into your mind, that's who we're talking about. Right. And so, you know, it's this elevator pitch of you got to have fun. But you won't do that if you have underperformers working with your high performers. And you'll never have either if you have bad leaders leading people. It's right. really that simple. Right. So, yeah, uh, rules one, two, and three. And, you know, we have fun with it. We have rule number three mugs and rule number three t shirts. And, you know, it's just sort of a simple, like, uh, you know what? It's true. I mean, we kind of, you're either the type of leader who walks by the receptionist every day or, or you don't. Right. We kind of are who we are as. Right. People leaders. So, and we're not going to, yeah, it, it's a really hard to change if that's the life in the world that they live in. I mean, I think and, that's the hardest part. Is we spend our time hoping they're going to change and they just don't. 
I always say, please don't send your asshole leaders to a training because you're just going to have a well-trained asshole <laughs> and less money in your bottom line. Now, one of the biggest challenges I get from people is, yeah. so you don't think people can change? I mean, that's pretty black and white. You're telling me that people can't take feedback and learn. And my response is, no, not really, depending on what we're talking about. Right. And I go back to the same example. If you start saying hi to the receptionist because somebody told you you had to, you're not going to no, get away with that. training's going to, right. Because smart people are like, well, you've walked by me for three years and now you want to know my kid's name? Like, wh what? Oh, and then somebody's, oh, yeah, he got, you know, put on a performance improvement plan. Mm -hmm. So he's trying to, you know, be nice now. Now, can you go somewhere else and show up differently? Sure. Can you go up somewhere else and, you know, eat some humble pie and say, I learned some really valuable lessons in my last job and want to show up differently here? Absolutely. You're either going to be the type of leader that wants to get to know your team on a genuine level because you value what they do or you're not. And you can't be told to do that, in my opinion. So, And if you're the second one, newsflash, you're not actually a leader. You might be really smart at what you do and that's great, but you're not a leader. No, if you don't care yeah. about people and care about the development of people. And this is the biggest gap in corporate America yeah. right now. And I say corporate right. in every company is yeah. put people in leadership roles that don't actually want to be leaders. They don't like yeah. part of it. Well, and early, right after I started my consulting firm, one of the first projects I did, I was doing a bunch of conversations with employees about their onboarding experience and what they liked about the company and whatever. And this one woman told me this story. She loved working there, but she thought it was kind of odd that her first week, her boss didn't talk to her, like didn't say hi. They didn't have lunch her entire first week. And I said, well, was was she on vacation? No, no, she was here, but um, she was just busy. And I get it. She's busy. And so I just listened and, and I called the head of HR and I said, listen, I don't even know who it is. You're going to be able to figure it out because of who the employee is but that person doesn't get to be a leader at your company. Well, what do you mean? I said, well, I've never met him, but if you have to tell somebody that maybe saying hi to a new employee their first week is your role of a leader, they they don't get what you're doing. You're in the wrong seat on the bus. And it doesn't mean they couldn't add value somewhere else. It doesn't mean they can't be a high contributor, but you shouldn't have to tell somebody who leads people that you should probably at least say hello to a new hire like to your point, you, you can't teach that stuff. Right. Right. So, and, and yet that leader is still at the company in the same leadership position. Right. And again, you know, maybe they're contributing at a high level, but I would bet that the team's engagement under that particular leader is not as high as it should be. Well, and in all fairness, and I go to that leader, what leader has been willing to have the conversation with them, right? So yeah. this is a trickle-down effect. Yeah. So anybody who's yeah. listening that's at the top of an organization saying, yeah, my leaders need yeah. to do that. You better turn yes. on yourself. <laughs> and one of the hardest things for both of us, anyone who's a consultant or does coaching, mm -hmm. is sort of having that, trust me, it, I know this will work <laughs> moment. Right. So I'm working with a, a company. I'll give you the short version. Uh, CEO, relatively new uh, head of sales, not getting the job done and maybe hitting numbers, but not getting the job done from a cultural standpoint and all the engagement, all the other things we're talking about, struggled with it, struggled with it. Finally. All right. I'm going to make the change, makes the change mm -hmm. within 10 minutes. 
of the announcement going out, she sends me a text that she received from six employees in the organization who went into the break room, took a selfie holding a thumbs up, sent it to her and just said, thank you. And of course, her response was, oh, I should have done this three months ago. Hey, you did it. Let's, right. not work, let's not spend any more time talking about that. You did it. The biggest challenge for you and I and anyone else who's in a leadership position is doing it because you know who your bad leaders are. You know who they are. And if you don't ask your high performers, because they'll tell you. Right. But when you and I meet with somebody and they talk about the same person month after month right. after month, you'll never create a culture high performers want to be a part of if you let those types of leaders or underperformers show up, right? And I'm not saying it's easy, but it is easy because you should worry more about what your high performance, you should worry more about getting the thank you text than the angst of having the conversation. 100%. Oh, all right. So, so <laughs> we have talked about a lot. So before we get to the bonus round, I want you to yeah. just to boil this down. For one thing that leaders who are listening, either yeah. assisting themselves, either having a different conversation, whatever it is, what's one thing you think they should do? What's one step, one action? Remember that life is too short to work with assholes. Now, I've used the word a lot, yeah. but really it's understanding. And I do think there's been a shift where, you know, my kids who are 23 and 20, just starting their careers. Mm -hmm won't tolerate half of what you and I did and why we thought we needed to. I don't know, but we did different time. So that's good. But as a leader, rec remember that, that nobody likes having tough conversations, but a great leader doesn't avoid them. Right. And so if you have those, you know, I'm not sure, you know, one of my favorite sayings, if you're not sure, you're sure when you're talking about talent, if, if you're not sure they're the right person, they're not, because it's not that hard to assess whether they're the right person or not. And so realize that, hey, if I can't do it naturally as a leader, then I need to get help. And that's okay. The first few times you do it, great. Seek somebody out who can help you and coach you through and sit there with you when you do it. That's okay. But not doing it, knowing that you should, is not the answer. So that's, uh, that's my words of wisdom. <laughs> I love it. Okay. All right. So bonus round of questions. So you have yes. not been prepared with these. No, I have not. This is the fun part. Now I'm scared. Um, yes, you should be. Um, <laughs> what do you think the world's going to look like in five years? What do you hope it looks like for your children? Right. Think about that. Is there yeah. a workforce? What do you hope is different? Ooh. Um, I didn't say I, they weren't deep. No, well, they're long. deep. And I'm like, boy, I don't know how, <laughs> how deep I want to get, right? I mean, I, I hope we can figure out both at work and outside of work how to become a, a less divisive world that right. we've become, where everybody has to pick a side. But I don't want to get too deep into that conversation. But I do hope, you know, what I said earlier is I do think that there's a, a change in what people will tolerate. And I think we're getting better and better. You know, I don't believe in this um, quiet quitting. I don't believe that there's this, you know, mass exodus during COVID. I think people's tolerance for bad leadership is getting less and less and less. And the leaders who still think, and they're out there, 
that you can scream at people, you can belittle people, you can humiliate people, you know, the whole, I'm going to pit people against each other because I want to see how they handle it crap that was really popular in the last 20 years. People are just going to say, you know what, there's too many opportunities. I'm not going to tolerate that. So it might be through force, but we are going to see a change. And the woman who said you could write the title of your book 30 years from now, unfortunately, she's probably right, but I hope she's wrong. I hope she's wrong as well. <laughs> I hope you have to publish a different book. Then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, to lead well, you need to be well. So we talk about being mm. a chief energy officer, right? Of your own yeah. organization. What's one thing you do consistently to manage your own energy as a leader? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Boy, I'm so good at giving advice that I don't take for myself. And so I always and thank I, you I, for I, the honesty. I, I make no bones about that. Right. But I do think that there is a lot to be said for, you know, finding time, whether it's five minutes or 50 minutes a day for some kind of exercise, whether that's a walk, whether that's whatever, and a complete disconnect. And, and I am not great at shutting my brain off, but finding a way for a half hour to just shut your brain off, right? That project's going to be there when you get back. (laughs) That call you need to make can wait. Whatever it is, just listen to some of your favorite music, go for a walk. It is, you know, the old saying, you know, exercise is one of those things you never regret doing. And it's true. I mean, I don't have the energy to do it. I need to do more of it than I do. But I think find time, um, find time every day for yourself, even if it's 30 minutes, right? So this one, I've been excited to ask you, um, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would you say, what would that billboard be and why? Ooh. Outside of rule number three, I know that's what you want to put on a billboard. (laughs) Well, you know, the back cover of my book is if you're not sure you're sure. And I referenced it earlier Mm -hmm. and it's one of my favorite sayings to use with people. Because it's really good life advice, but I don't give life advice because I have my own things I'm dealing with. But, you know, most of the things we know we need to do, we know what we need to do. We just need to decide if we're going to do it or not, right? But it's great leadership advice. Again, if you're not sure that person should get promoted, if you're not sure that person's the right person. So if you're not sure, you're sure, because it's just a simple message, both for life and work, that um, is a reminder that, again... Most of the things we need to decide to do aren't that hard. We just need to decide to do them. Right. I would say a decision is, you know, you're, being ready is a decision, not a feeling hmm. to do that, like hard that. thing, right? To have yeah. that hard conversation. You're never going to feel ready for it. You have to right. make a decision to be ready. Right. Yep. Big yeah. difference. Well, what a beautiful way to end the podcast. If you're yeah. not sure, you're sure. Right. So uh, that's the, that's the title of this one. I can already tell. I usually listen in and say, what do I want to title this? That's a perfect (laughs) one. So thank you for taking time to be here. You are to be around. I love spending time with you. And let me do a quick plug for you, because if you have not read (laughs) the culture climb to do this, I know she is not, (laughs) but if you have not read the culture climb, uh, order it, uh, official book release this week, I'm going to be your marketing manager for 10 seconds. here. Um, and, uh, you know, listen, I, I, so appreciate our uh, connection and friendship and relationship that, you know, I could be on the early stages of getting to read the book and, and I'll be at your book launch. But uh, I really encourage people, if you don't know who Jamie is uh, and you're just listening to the podcast for whatever reason, you have a connection to me or something else, uh, reach out. You know, you won't find a better uh, coach and 
a business leader who can help your business advance than Jamie. So how about that? How's that for a plug? Check is in the mail, sir. Yeah. Thank you. For, <laughs> Sounds that. good. No, um, I enjoyed the conversation. It's always fun to talk to you. This is, you know, this just fills my bucket so much because I think it's, it, these are the kind of conversations we need to have. These are sometimes the conversations that make us like, oh, I know I need to be better. Right. right but right. I just want to thank the listeners because we have such yeah. an amazing community of listeners to this podcast and in, at Keystone, yeah. right. One of our core values is raw authenticity. Right? Yeah. That's exactly what we did today because it's the only way we drive real change and I know you did that for the people listening today. So I appreciate that. Awesome. I appreciate the listeners. Um, I'm grateful. And I think when yeah. we can have these level, this level of conversation, it creates impact in everything that we do. Absolutely. So that's what we're here for. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Absolutely. Well, enjoyed it. It's always a pleasure. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure and hit that subscribe button so you get the latest episodes as soon as we release them. And remember to keep maximizing your unique leadership superpowers. It truly is the key to building success, both in your career and in life.